0: Awesome. We have been in a series, we've got this week and next week, we're wrapping up our series next week, it's called The Skeptic and the Believer. And we uh, have done this series, It's I think this is part four, and we've really tried to tackle, what we wanted to do is just tackle some of the main questions, or rather main objections that people have to faith in God. And maybe you have experienced this in your own life, where you've walked through a season and you think, I'm I don't get this. Why is this happening? Or what about this? And doesn't science, we talked about science versus faith. And can you be a person of science and a believer in God? We've talked about the Bible and is it reliable? Is it true? We've talked about Jesus and how can we know confidently that he did die and rise from the dead? And today we are tackling maybe one of the first questions or one of the biggest questions that both people of faith and maybe the skeptics of faith or people who are not of faith, We all kind of have this same question. If God is so good, why is there so much bad stuff that happens? Ever heard that? Ever thought that? That's a question that I, as a pastor, there's been times where I've walked through seasons in my own life or in the lives of other people where it's just difficult. And you think, man, God could do a lot with this circumstance but yet it doesn't seem like, ever felt like you're praying for something and you're like oh I just don't feel like God is listening or that he's choosing not to answer that prayer this is a big question we have in our world why doesn't God stop evil and I put this up on the screen if he's good if he could then he would right if he's good if he loves us and he could like if he had all power and the ability to stop evil then of course he would right? Of course he would. But yet we see evil in our world. We walk through seasons of suffering. And so this is a difficult one, isn't it? Have you ever felt that? Anyone with me this morning? At least nod or do a little bit, right? We wrestle with this. Other people outside the faith community wrestle with this. Since there's evil in the world, since there's pain and suffering, either there's a problem with God's goodness or his ability. And if you uh, talk to some people maybe who are even atheist or believe there is no God, this is one of the things. They say, well, there can't be a good and powerful God because of the presence of evil. The presence of evil in the world is an evidence that they have against the very existence of God, which that's a side topic if you're using... Morality or the existence of good and evil as an argument against God, it doesn't really work because without a God, there's no knowledge of good and evil. There's no morality that we can even measure it to. So, but we're not going to get into that today because I don't believe that many people in the room are atheists or even watching online. Not that that's a dig on people watching online, but that's where (laughs) the atheists hang out. (laughs) Most people stop short of atheism. Most people would say, I believe there's a God. I just don't like how he's running things from time, right? I believe there's a God, but I question how he's doing things, especially when pain and suffering hits close to your life. I believe there's a God. He just isn't real good right now because I wish or I pray or I hope that things would be different. So we're going to jump into three big questions regarding faith and evil. And here's the goal today. One would be just to give us some understanding, some perspective Maybe if you are here or you know someone in your life that wrestles with this question, you can get some understanding and some perspective of that. But also, what I want us to do, and maybe at the end of this service, we'll just have a time of prayer where I know there are people in the room that are wrestling or walking through difficult times, that they are walking through a storm right now. So I would love it if we could just spend some time in the presence of God, getting some comfort and some peace in the midst of the storm, amen? That we could have... The knowledge of that there is a good God who is walking with us so some of this is going to seem a little bit more academic like oh great another Sunday in church where I feel like I'm at school so we're going to kind of dive through a little bit of this talk about this issue of why is there evil in the world and then at the end I want us to have a time where we can just allow the presence of God to come and minister to our hearts as we are walking through times that are difficult in this world all right so first big question this is a big one. Why is there evil? Why is there evil? Why did God even give that us to us as an option? Why did God create the evil option, right? Couldn't he have just had it where all we... He, he made us. He formed us. Couldn't he have just made it so that we only had the option to do good? Why is there evil? Well, let's talk about this. God did not create evil. God didn't create it. None of the seven or six days of creation where when God said and then God created the heavens and the earth and then the evil things. God didn't do that. He created us with the ability to choose. God created everything good. Everything in God's creation was good. Yet he gave all of creation the ability to choose. He gave God he gave creation freedom to choose. So evil wasn't created by God. Evil is when somebody takes something designed for good and distorts it or turns it against the thing that God had designed it for, right? So God created everything good, and then mankind brought evil into the world because we had a choice. And Adam and Eve chose sin. And if you're blaming Adam and Eve for everything, we also choose sin, right? I don't know if, I mean, maybe if I'm thinking about it, maybe I'm like, I probably could have held out longer than Adam and Eve before biting that apple, but it probably wouldn't have taken me long, right? We have the freedom to choose. Now, this is a big point. God lays this out throughout the old testament you see it especially god with the nation of israel lays it out for them and saying i'm giving you all the information you need to make good choices almost like a parent with the kids like we're leaving for the weekend you kids have all the information you need to make good choices and then god says to his children the children of israel in deuteronomy 30 verse 19 i wanted to read a couple verses deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 this is god talking to the israelites This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. God is letting them know I've given you everything you need to make this choice. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Choose life that you and your children may live. God is laying it out there that the Israelites have the freedom to choose life or death. The life following after God, blessings, or the life following after themselves or sin, curses. Now, this is another side note here, but this is a sobering verse because of a little phrase right at the end there. Make good choices, choose life so that you and your children may live. That is sobering for us when we recognize how often do we fall into this trap of thinking like, oh, my decisions only affect me. My decisions only affect me here and now. This is how I'm feeling right now. And so I'm going to make this decision based on how I'm feeling right now. And we totally neglect what is going to be the ramification for these decisions down the road. We don't think about how this could affect us years down the road or that it could affect our children down the road. The choices we make have and can have generational impact. And some of you might be here thinking today, I'm, I'm living the life, whether blessings or curses, Because of a choice that was made generations ago. Might be a choice that a, a, a relative of yours, a grandparent of yours, introduced faith into the family line. And you are, as Christy and I are, bearing the blessings of a legacy of faith that has been handed down. And some people are saying, well, my grandparent brought alcohol into the family line. And I struggle with this because that's just the legacy that's been handed down to me. You see that legacy can be two very different things, all because somebody... Made a choice, wasn't thinking about how it could affect years and years and years down the road. Does that make sense? This is decisions that God has laid out for us. So why is there evil in the world? Because God gave us the ability to choose. God gave us the ability to choose evil. Why didn't God just make it so that we couldn't choose evil? This is a big thing about a relationship, okay? If God creates us to have a relationship with him, a loving relationship with him, he has to give us the choice to choose him or reject him. There is no loving relationship. If God instead, when he was creating man and woman, he said, you know what? Rather than giving them the freedom to choose, I'm just gonna make them like little worship robots. And when they come to church and they sing songs about the holiness of God, it's like, I'm going to worship. We love God. Everything we, and no ability to choose, right? Right? If God did that, how could He ever realize that there is a loving relationship? Let me put this in other terms. Okay, I'm going to pick on Stephen and Brooke here in the front row because they're doing such a good job listening today. Okay, Stephen, when he first met Brooke in high school, right, middle school, as a middle school as a middle schooler, Stephen looked at Brooke and said, "I got. I'm going. I want to woo Brooke. I want to win her over." And, in, and I'm sure your middle school skills of wooing were quite solid. But he, <laughs> he wanted to win Brooke over in, in hopes that Brooke would choose him. And they're doing great so far. You guys are awesome. But however, what if as the relationship went on years and years down the road, Steven started thinking, I'm nervous that Brooke is not going to choose me. And so I'm going to take that ability to choose out of her hands and I'm going to invite her over and then I'm going to lock her in the basement (laughs) where I will keep her there forever, right? And then I will know that she's there forever and she loves me because there she is in my basement and she's not leaving. She doesn't have a choice. Does that make sense? As soon as we take the freedom to choose away, we cannot confidently say that there's a loving relationship unless you are psychotic. Like those movies of the creepy people, okay? So there has to be a choice. It ha- there is no love without freedom. There's no love without freedom. So God created us with a freedom to reject him or to choose him. He gave us the freedom to choose the ways of life or to choose evil. And you know what? We've chosen evil. All of us have chosen evil. And we continue to choose evil. And that is why there is evil In the world. That's why there's evil in the world. So God didn't create it, but he gave us the ability to choose. Second big question, well, then if God gave us the ability to choose, why doesn't he, if he is all powerful, stop the people who are about to do the very evil thing? Why doesn't God stop it? We look at some of the human-caused tragedies in our world. Um, so let's say there's a there's someone who wants, to, a gunman who's going into a public setting and is about to open fire, which unfortunately happens. Now, we would say if God has the ability to cause that gun to not work, should he do that? And we would say, yeah, that would be great. God would have the ability to cause something to happen, but that wouldn't cause this damage or cause this evil. Or could he stop the, the, the car from starting when the drunk driver is about to start driving away, about to cause havoc in our world. Now, we would say, yeah, these things make sense. We, these things make sense. But let's back it up a little bit. Let's back it up a couple levels. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. And the first one, it's very important you don't raise your hand in light of the second question, okay? So first question, if you could eradicate all evil and hurt from the world, would you? Okay, think about that. That sounds pretty good. If you could eradicate all hurt and evil from the world. The follow-up question is, have you ever done anything hurtful to somebody else in your life? Hmm. Right? Now, if every time you were about to say something hurtful to your spouse... It was like you're all of a sudden you're about to you got the comeback that's going to win the argument and all of a sudden God renders your mouth useless. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh I can't. Mm-hmm. Right? You were trying to do say, say something and God rendered you useless. Someone cuts you off in traffic and you want to let them have it and it's like all of a sudden it's like mm-hmm. must lift finger to get that can't do it. Right? We start thinking now. Of course these. Examples that I give now are different than mass shootings and drunk driving and even, you know, genocide and human trafficking and all. Of course, any rational person would say, yeah, that's different. Me saying something that's hurtful to somebody is different than human trafficking. Of course it is. Of course it is. But yet, A, where's the line that God would say, well, I'm going to stop this but not this? And in us, we say, well, my... Choices to do hurtful things to other people are fine because they're justified because they deserve it, right? We have all these human thoughts, but when God allows our free will, it allows people to choose sometimes unimaginable evil, sometimes unimaginable evil. The love of money will lead people to do unimaginable things to other people to get money. Think of the, of the hurt that is caused around our world by somebody through the drug trade, through human trafficking, through war and famine and genocide. This is out of a love for money and power. That is what is causing this unimaginable hurt. The idolization of sexual freedom in our world, the idolization of pleasure has led to unimaginable hurt. It might be like, oh, I just have this desire and this feeling, and it might be you're thinking, it's just viewing pornography online. You are thereby supporting an industry which is causing unimaginable hurt for the men and the women caught up in that industry, not to mention the world of child pornography, human trafficking, slavery, all of these things led by our freedom to choose what feels good or what we prefer. So evil is not, now this, this is a, this might, you might disagree with this. Evil is not a God problem. It's a sin problem. Evil is a sin problem in our world. This is greed and anger and lust and selfishness and addiction and all of these things, which means none of us are immune from being part of the problem. This is a sin problem. So what is the solution? Every time we say, God, you should do something about all the evil in the world, I believe God would say to his people, I'm trying to do something because we are the plan. This is the plan that God has implemented in our world to push back the evil in the world, us, the body of Christ. The the carriers of the Holy Spirit, the carriers of the presence of God, to go into all the world where there is famine, where there are orphans and widows, where there is human trafficking, where there are lost people, and say, we are bringing the life of Jesus Christ. And that is what is going to change the world. So we cannot sit there and say, God, you got to do something because God's going to point the finger back at you and say, I'm trying. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Now, I get it. This is a flawed plan by God. I would have said, God, putting us in charge of bringing the light to the world is a flawed plan because we are not good at it all the time or a lot of the time, right? But this is the plan that God in his wisdom has put into place. So if you're wondering why you're here, why we want you to get involved in more than just coming to church on a Sunday morning or Saturday night, it's because we have more important things to do. This is the body of Christ to go into the world and push back the darkness, to see the industries of pornography and human sex trafficking and drug and alcohol abuse, to see those industries suffer because we are changing the appetite of the culture by bringing the light of Jesus Christ. Amen? This is what we are to do. Now, I'm going to say something here, and I'm going to preface it with this. I'm a Canadian. I do not get to vote in the upcoming election, so you don't need to worry about how I'm going to vote. Okay? Preface, disclaimer, over. A lot of people, what we do is we think this is the government who's going to do this. That if we vote in the right person, then that is going to be pushing back the evil. Okay? And the narrative of our, our culture... Now, the election's coming up, and as a Canadian, I can say this. You Americans really get into your elections. Like, there is... Wow. There's a lot of those commercials going around. And what happens is, if you watch on both sides the narrative is put out that this is not just picking a candidate this is good versus evil that other person is evil and that's happening on both sides and i know you're probably there are probably some people thinking maybe more of the people watching online but probably thinking no the other side is evil i know and we have all the reasons and the other side has all the reasons to think your side is the evil one okay evil is not on the ballot at all in this election or any election. You are not gonna vote somebody in that is gonna bring about righteousness and push back evil. There are flawed people on both sides. There are people who love Jesus on both sides. So if you're thinking, if we could just get this election just right, then that is gonna be a win for righteousness and it's gonna be a defeat for evil. That is the narrative and that is not reality because evil is not an election solution. Evil is the body of Christ acting like the body of Christ. Evil is going to be pushed back when the body of Christ acts like it. So if you are a Christian who is complaining about evil in the world, I want you to be challenged to do something about it. That is the solution, okay? Thank you, Brooke. (laughs) The third question, okay? So maybe you're fine with all this. You get it, that God gave us the freedom to choose and we choose evil and bad people do bad things. But the third question is this. What about the random suffering that isn't caused by humans? What about the times when this world just seems cruel? Just natural disasters, a tornado that's coming that could easily have turned one way, but instead randomly turns into a small town, wiping out an entire town. These random things that a light switch in a home that shorts out and causes an electrical fire that burns down a house. Random things. Natural disasters. A baby that is born with the cord wrapped around its neck causing a brain injury. Just things that just seem like random happenings, cruel circumstances where you're just thinking, God, you could have easily just caused that thing to go a little bit differently and a whole life or a whole town or hundreds of lives would have been changed. We think that, don't we? And I have a hard time with this. We know that life can fall apart in an instant, don't we? We know life can fall apart. We've probably all experienced that. We've walked through this, Christine and I have, where we see things seem to be going good and then just one phone call or one conversation or one incident and everything the wind gets taken out of your sails. You feel like your legs got taken out from under you, and you're just like, oh, this is going to be a long, hard season. And it happens instantly at times, right? Have you experienced that before? We've, I mean, I don't think it takes too many people in here to say, of course I've experienced that. It seems like that is how life goes. If you're pessimistic like me, at times you're thinking, man, things have been going really good for too long. Something's about to happen, right? <laughs> we just start to think that way, don't we? We know that life can fall apart. God could stop some of these things. These things aren't somebody's evil choice. It just feels like random cruelness. Now, I bet there's going to be a lot of people who have this question for God when we get to heaven one day. I will have this question for God. As a pastor, I've prayed for people, and sometimes the prayers have been answered and miracles have happened, and sometimes they haven't. And I don't know what the difference was. I was praying Rigorously, both times. I was believing both times, and yet there's times where it just seems like God is not doing things the way I would like. And I'm going to ask Him about that someday. But so I'm not, I don't have all the answers for this one, and I'm not going to attempt to answer for God. But here's what I know. Here's what I know for sure that right now our world is broken. Right now our world is broken. We have hurt that is caused by people, and we have hurt and evil that just seems to happen because our world is not running. Right, It's not running like it's supposed to. God created everything to run in perfect harmony. And yet evil came in and broke it. And when things aren't running right, you can kind of see it. It actually points to our knowledge of a higher power or of a creator when we recognize this isn't right. This isn't right. There's something wired in us. That when we recognize things are broken, it's a wiring in us that was put there so it would point to us recognizing there must be a higher good and a higher power because this right here doesn't feel right. It's not running right. I had a, a car, one of my first cars, when I moved here to go to college in the mid 90s, back in the previous century. Um, I had a car, it was a 1977 Volkswagen Rabbit. Four-speed stick shift. It was sweet. I see if you guys nod, and you know it. You know what I'm talking about. That was a sweet car. It did not run well. <laughs> You're shocked to hear it, right? Wait a minute. A 23, whatever it was, year old Volkswagen Rabbit. Um, it did not run well. Um, there was it had rusted out in the bottom. So when you drove in the rain, water would collect in the back seat floor area. <laughs> so this is this is where you can tell the difference of men and women. The guys are like, yeah, that's okay. We could deal with that. And the women are like, mm-mm. And that defines Christina's dating relationship right there when I would take her on dates in this Volkswagen Rabbit. The battery, the, the little clamps that hold down the battery had all rusted away, so the battery would kind of slide around <laughs> when you drive. And if you turn too sharp, you know, when I was in a race... Um, in my Volkswagen, if you turned too sharp or went over a bump, it would kind of short out, and the whole thing would just shut down. The whole <laughs> car would just quit. Like, in the, wherever you were, it would just quit. So I'd have to kind of pull over, like, sorry, everybody, got no power, and pull over and go and straighten out the battery and usually kick the car a couple of times because that always helps. And At no point did I think, oh, this thing is running great. This thing's running great. We don't need to fix anything. That's kinda, the world is kind of like that orange Volkswagen, Right? awesome, but yet you can kind of see it's not running right. It's busted. It's broken. So I want to just encourage you with this. I don't, there are things that I don't have an answer to that we won't, I don't think we'll have ever have an answer to where we just look at God. Why did this happen? Why am I walking through this? Why is this battle that we've been praying for for years and years and years? And it just doesn't seem like anything is getting better. Part of this is it's a broken world. It's a broken world. So Those are three big questions. And as we wrap up in a few minutes, I want to close with this thought. So how do we respond to suffering like this? We can explain away why there's evil and we can explain away why people make evil choices. But how do we respond to the stuff that just seems to happen? There's a few things I want you to remember if you're walking through a season of suffering or when you walk through a season of suffering. A few things I want to remind you of. Reasons why you can take heart as you walk through a season like this. First found in John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. This is Jesus talking. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What does it mean when he says I've overcome the world? If, if Jesus has overcome the world, well then fix it. But there is something about how the ultimate overcoming of the world by Jesus is yet to come. When he returns, when he makes everything right, Right now, the ultimate battle has been secured and won. We don't need to doubt whether or not Jesus will be victorious. He has been victorious by dying and rising from the dead. He now has overcome the world, but yet it is still running broken. Now, God intervenes, and God comes and answers prayer, and we believe it, and we pray for things. But there are still things, and if Jesus lays it out. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I want you to take heart today. You will have trouble. What that means is you're not exempt and you're not alone. When you walk through this, it does not mean that you have done something wrong. When you walk through a season of suffering, it might not be that you have done something wrong. You have to recognize that God is with you in this and that you will have this time of suffering. There are times where we think, oh, God must be mad at me. That's why this is happening. We do a terrible job in our world of talking to people who are walking through a difficult time because we, especially as Christians, think we got to come up with the Christian thing to say, and sometimes the terrible things to say are out of the mouths of Christians, and sometimes people will come to you and say, well, you must have done something wrong. That's why God is punishing you, or if you have sin in your life, that is why this is happening. First of all, we all have sin in our life, right? We, none of us are sinless, and Jesus said, you will have times of trouble, you will have times of suffering. So take heart if you're walking through it. You have not done anything to make God mad at you. He is not punishing you for that. But the world is broken. Jesus himself suffered. Take heart because you will have trouble in the world, but it doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. The second thing take heart is because God is with us in our pain. Psalm 34 18 through 19, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles. The righteous person faces many troubles. Doesn't go away because you're righteous. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. So take heart. God walks with you. And take heart because it will not last forever. The season you're in is not going to last forever. This pain you're walking through is not going to last forever. Some of you have been walking through it for years and years, and you don't see how it's going to get any better. And even if it's a medical diagnosis that you say, this isn't going to get better, this isn't something that gets healed or has a cure for, we know ultimately it's still not going to be with you forever because one day we will be with Jesus in heaven where he will make everything right, where he will make everything the way it was designed without sin, without sickness and pain. Without suffering, it will not last forever. So this causes us to hope and to take heart because we know when we suffer, we're just suffering like Jesus did. We have the fellowship of Jesus. When we suffer, that God is with us, close to the brokenhearted and walking with us. And when we suffer, we can say, this is not going to last forever. We would love to avoid pain and suffering, but we won't avoid it. However, there is a God who walks with you And it will not last. Amen? It's not going to last forever. So I want you to take heart today in the season of pain and suffering. And here's one final thing I want to talk about. Your suffering or your pain or sometimes encountering difficult things in this world can serve a purpose. Can serve a purpose. And this is another annoying thing that Christians say. That we should stop saying, well, God's got a reason for it, right? There's a purpose for it. I know there is, but it's annoying to hear, isn't it? Like, we got to stop saying that. Well, you know, God's, gonna, God's got something for you in this. God's not going to give you more than you can handle. That's the worst one, right? That's not in the Bible anywhere. God gives us more than we can handle all the time. That's the point, because we can't handle it on our own. A lot of people say, oh, religion's just a crutch for the weak. Yes, it is, and I'm one of them, right? I need it. I am weak right? So when we talk about that, like suffering can serve a purpose if we allow it. Pain causes growth and learning. This is how kids learn not to run into walls because they have pain in their head when they hit a wall, right? That's how we learn. Now, grown up life, when we walk through a season of pain and suffering, that's how we grow. That's how we learn. James, the brother of Jesus, says this in his letter, the book of James in the New Testament. And this is like right out of the chute, right out of the gate, James says this. After verse 1 where he's introducing himself, hi, James here, servant of God, and I'm writing to all you people. Then he says this in verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. That's a stretch to me, right? I'm fine with enduring trials of many kinds, but pure joy I mean, come on, James, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. There are lessons that we learn. There is growth that occurs that can only occur when we walk through a season of suffering. It is difficult. I wish it wasn't that way, but there is a growth to our faith suffering is often the path that leads us to God. I've seen this in my life. I've seen this in our life. We've walked through seasons of really difficult times, Christy and I, with our kids. We've walked through difficult times in our marriage. We've walked through difficult times with health issues in our family. We're walking through a difficult time right now with Christy's father going through liver cancer. We know that these seasons of suffering, what it does to us is draw us close to God. We lean into our faith. If you are going through suffering within the context of a strong relationship with God. Within a faith that you have. It, it causes you to lean into prayer. It causes you to lean into your faith. There is a growth that will happen. Suffering is the path that will lead you to God. If you allow it. If it's in the context of this relationship with God, A lot of people use other people's pain and suffering as a reason to be mad at God, and I want to caution you against that because, A, you have no idea what God is doing in that situation to bring healing and comfort, to reveal his closeness in that situation, and B, all of this has to be done within your relationship with God. In that relationship, when you walk through suffering, you can lean in and say, God, I don't know why this is happening, but I still Trust that you are good, and I will still lift my hands in worship and declare that you are holy and good, even in the midst of the storm. That is the worship that honors God in that context of your relationship with him. You have no idea what God is doing in a situation in your life or in somebody else's life, and you have no idea how God is going to work this situation to bring about good for you ultimately and to bring about glory for himself. And that is our goal as Christ followers, right? To just be a life that brings glory to God. I've experienced this in my life when we walked through a really difficult time with our kids. God was close. This is my testimony. God was close in that difficulty. I leaned into my faith. I've experienced this in other parts of the world where I've been around, you know, I've spent time in different parts of the world around some of the poorest people on the planet, and yet their faith is strong because their suffering causes them to lean into their faith in God. Not a, not a reason to push back and to question and to doubt, but to lean in and say, God, I know you are good. There is something that happens when God is all we have, and we don't experience that in this part of the world very often because we've got a lot, but when God is all you have you lean in and your faith becomes alive. And I believe that God responds to that kind of faith. There are people who suffer well and it's because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I have seen, there are people in the room now who have walked through really, really, really difficult seasons. And what they have done is allowed God to bring healing to their heart and now to redeem it so that that story and that testimony is now bringing life to other people. That walking through a battle that you walked through, God could turn it around and somehow down the road, if you'll allow it, use that very tragedy, that very season of suffering for you to minister to other people who are walking through it. That is a life that honors God when we say, God, I don't know why I'm walking through this, but I will trust you in this, that you are working for my good and you're gonna bring good about it. And I trust you that this isn't forever, that my hope is in heaven. Man, there's something about when we have everything all comfortable on the earth, we kind of lose our hope for heaven. A season of suffering can lead us to say, you know what, this is a good reminder that this world is broken and it is not my home and I long for heaven. That's the last thing I wanna mention today. Suffering leads to a hope for heaven. Revelation chapter 21 right at the end of the Bible. This is the Apostle John. At the end of his life, he's been exiled to this island, basically imprisoned on this island. He knows he's not getting off this island. He is alone, isolated. He's going to die there. And God gives him this revelation of what the spiritual reality is like. That's what the book of Revelation is, the spiritual reality that's happening right now and ultimately how it will end up. And this is what John sees in this revelation. He sees Jesus, and then he sees this vision of what is happening. And then he says this in Revelation 21, 3 through 5. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them, and this will, they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. This is an image of what is to come. So, Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Right now, a season of suffering that we walk through, we're in the old order of things. We're in the things that just aren't working right. We're in the 77 Volkswagen world that's just not running great. The old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. One day it will be made new. One day it will be made new. Take heart. This isn't forever. You will endure. You will get through it. God will walk with you through this, and he will use that season to redeem it and to bring glory for himself and good for your life and ministry to other people if you will allow it. There is good that God is working in you. He is with you, and he will one day make everything new. Amen? So here's what I want to do as we close today. Um, I just recognize there's probably some people here that just maybe want to spend a couple minutes in prayer. So lo- why don't we do this? Let's stand. And we're going to just sing the chorus. Christy's going to lead us. And if you want to just take some time and pray at your seat there, if you want someone to pray for you, there'll be people up front. But if you just want to kind of stand in here and just pray for some things or pray with one another, we invite you to do that. But. You know, Christy's going to start leaving. If you got to go, if you got somewhere to be or pick up your kids downstairs or whatever, you can do that. But let's leave this room. We don't do this very often. But let's leave this room a room for people who just want to sing or pray. Because this is a difficult thing to navigate through. We walk through difficult times. So I want to close in prayer and then you are free to go. But Christy's going to lead us in a song. If you want to stay and just pray for a few moments, I invite you and encourage you to do that. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would seal this in our hearts. As we walk through difficult things, as we have questions of why there is so much hurt in the world, I pray that our faith would increase through that, that you would make yourself known, that we would lean into our relationship with you, and our faith would rise knowing that you are good, that you can be trusted, and that one day you will make all things new. We pray these things in Jesus' name.